It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. This year has also brought widespread death and devastation from the borderless climate crisis. The extreme weather events that we have seen in every part of the world, and you all know it and feel it, represent what the Secretary General has rightly called code red for humanity. And the scientists and experts are telling us that we're fast approaching a point of no return in a literal sense. Yes, a point of no return, says our wise, fearless leader at the U.N. at the 76th uh, session of the U.N. General Assembly in New York. Uh, that was at least part of what Joe Biden had to say. We are uh, not not because of anything else, not because of uh, decadence, not because of a breakdown of morality, marriage uh, barriers and sexual behavior, n- nothing like that, not because of breakdowns in families, not because of poverty, not because we are uh, putting our soldiers in harm's way and the the danger worldwide is, you know, the storm clouds are gathering. No, because of climate change, it's code red for humanity. Uh, we're nearing the end here. And so he went on to talk about how he's going to fix it because he's going to, you know, take out the checkbook and write some checks and he's going to fix it. Clip two. The scientists and experts are telling us that we're fast approaching a point of no return in a literal sense. In April, I announced the United States will double our public international financing to help developing nations tackle the climate crisis. And today, I'm proud to announce that we'll work with the Congress to double that number again, together with increased private capital and other from other donors, we'll be able to meet the goal of mobilizing $100 billion to support climate action in developing nations. Yeah, so uh, money, you know, we're going to fix, we're going to buy off the climate. We're going to, we're going to like extort God so that there are no more storms and natural disasters. But of course, it's not God doing it because there isn't really a God, not one that we pay attention to. Uh, We don't really, so we don't understand his majesty. We think that we're responsible. We grand, wonderful human beings are able to, you know, change the temperature on the globe by the way we drive our cars and we allow our cows to, you know, emit gas. Uh, it's all our fault. And so if we just pay more money for our energy and more for our gasoline or just stop driving cars altogether, you know, we can save the planet. <laughs> Oh, my goodness, that's more hubris than the Soviet Union ever collected in all the years of its uh, ridiculous, uh, you know, human monument to human achievement. But but we, yeah, but that's that's who's leading us, and those are the people that are leading the world right now. They're out of their minds. Uh, they have lost their focus. They've lost, uh, let's just say, their worldview is upside down. And that reminds me, in the last uh, segment today, we'll be talking to Alex McFarlane, who specializes in worldview and we'll be talking with him about, maybe we can even go back to that and uh, 
let him kind of explain to us what that worldview is producing. Um, when the president was at the UN, he also spent a ton of time talking about COVID. I know that'll be a shock. He says, um, bombs and bullets cannot defend us against COVID-19 or its future variants. He says that science and political will are necessary to end the pandemic. Uh, the United States, he said, is reengaged at the World Health Organization and working in close partnership with COVAX to deliver life-saving vaccines around the world. We joined the Paris Climate Agreement, and we're running to retake a seat in the Human Rights Council next year at the U.N. Oh, there's so much to say about each of those bullet points. The Human Rights Council at the U.N. is a joke. Uh, last time I re- remembered, I think they were led, chaired by Iran or something ridiculous. It was one of those nations that kind of abuses their people. Yeah, So, the, but we're going to get back on that. And the Paris Climate Agreement, which is, you know, John Kerry's baby. Uh, which will bankrupt the United States. It will make uh, you will not be able to stay cool in the summer or warm in the winter if they have their way, unless you pay exorbitant amounts of money. You won't be able to drive your car, but that will be fair and equitable, <clears throat> and we will deliver. Uh, you know, we will save the planet. Meanwhile, we're going to throw more money at COVID. Uh, he talked about how much we've spent toward the pandemic response. We've shipped 160 million doses of vaccines to other nations, and on and on and it goes. So. You know, every speech he makes now, he talks about uh, COVID. And so look to him to talk about climate change more and more because that's the next horizon for the left. If COVID, you know, if it, if for, if in, by some strange happenstance that they can't control, we get beyond COVID, it will be climate change that you will be hearing more and more about because that will be the avenue with which they can control us. If you think I'm making this up, I want to move to Australia because um, – Australia, we have mentioned several times in passing uh, what's happening, especially in Victoria, uh, in uh, Australia, but not just Victoria. They have um, been, they've locked down the Australian people for a year, a full year. And now they were going to, you know, stop the lockdowns, but then they they stipulated the lockdowns would be tied to everyone must get a vaccine. And you can't hardly live, move, or breathe in Australia and you guess, unless you get a vaccine. And so people are, there is a, a boiling pot going on over there that is unbelievable. And this morning in my inbox, um, I received this audio. This is an Australian woman. She's a young woman. She's pregnant. Uh, the police burst into her home and arrest her for a Facebook post. It's something about, I don't know what she said in her post, but it's something about masking or the regulations. It's just her giving her opinion about what's going on. And so here come the police in the, uh, I, th- I don't know if it's, yes, it is morning. And so I want you to hear what happens. This is what totalitarianism sounds like, clip seven. Um, yeah, you can show me your search warrant before you go through my house. Search warrant for what? Now, what I will explain to you is, is if you want to listen, you've got your phone going. Yeah, I do, yeah. Right. Now, you're under arrest in relation to incitement. Incitement? Yeah. But, now, you're not obliged to say or do anything, but anything you say or do may be given evidence. Excuse me, incitement for what? What the, What on earth? Yeah. Excuse me, what What on earth? Yeah, just put your phone down. Can you, like, record to... this? I'm in my pyjamas. What's this? ultrasound in an hour. Yeah, pregnant. she's pregnant, so... Well, I'm taking it easy. What's this about? I have an ultrasound in an hour. Let me finish and I'll explain. It's in relation to a Facebook post, in relation to a lockdown protest you put on 
Yeah, and I wasn't breaking any laws by doing you that. You are actually. You are breaking the law. That's why I'm arresting you in relation to this. How can you children. arrest her? That's in front of my two children. Can't you just say to her, take the post down? Like, come I mean, on. I'm happy to delete the post. This is ridiculous. Right. Yeah. But I have to give you these caution and rights. You understand? Yeah, that's you're fine. Not, like, I'm happy to delete to the post. This is anything? ridiculous. Like, I just said, maybe getting the evidence. You understand that? Yeah, that's fine. But my two kids are here. I have an ultrasound in an hour. Like, I'm happy to delete the post. You also have the right to communicate with or to communicate with a legal practitioner. Do you understand those rights? Yeah, this is ridiculous. Yeah, this is a bit unfair. Come on, mate. No, what about she just doesn't do the event? Like, it's not like she's done it. Well, she made a post. Committed the offence. So I'm not going to. So that's it. an offence. Now, search warrant entitles us, and we're required to seize any computers, no. any mobile devices. You have. Us? Yeah. Can I just what get your badge there, mate? Any computers and all That's fine, can I just let me finish? Let me finish. Any mobile telephone you've got, okay? So what we want is any mobile telephone you've got. You don't need that. That's actually my sister's phone, it's not your phone. Yeah, it's her sister's phone. Doesn't matter. Any device in this house we're taking. Well, you're not taking my phone. I'm taking any device, mate. That's my phone. It's nothing to do with her. All right, so it does go on. And so um, you heard her. She had an ultrasound in an hour. She has two little children, and they're re they're arresting her. They put her in handcuffs. Uh, that's Australia, and you may think that that's so. That's on you know down under. That doesn't apply to us. But I want to read to you what uh, this. I always refer to him. It's called Sundance. He does the Last Refuge and a couple of other things. I don't even know who it is, but friends of mine know who it is, and I quote him a lot because I think he makes a lot of sense. And I want to read to you what he says. Remember Daniel Andrews, uh, this is me talking now, the Premier of Victoria. We've played several clips of him. I don't have time right now. He just seems to delight in uh, what he's doing to the people of Australia. It's just, uh, it's creepy. It reminds me of Joe Biden when he says he's running out of patience, uh, threatening people. And so um, the new approach in uh, Australia is uh, COVID zero. So they were going to try to wipe out COVID completely. Well, that didn't work out so well. So now they've decided that only the vaccinated can participate in the economy. And uh, vaccination passports will be required to work, shop, attend events, essentially live in the new world order Premier Andrews has created for citizens of Victoria. The day after Andrews outlined the new rules, the working class, who have been locked down and compliant to this point, finally had enough. And so on uh, Monday the 20th, a large group of members of the biggest trade union in Australia uh, that would be construction, forestry, maritime, mining, energy union, went to their headquarters uh, and started protesting and making demands. And they said, look, you're not listening to us. Uh, we need to use the weight of the union, you know, to stop this. And their leader, the union leader, John Sitka, ignored them and actually said, well, what do you want me to do? Shut, you know, shut things down, like have a strike? And they said, yes, because we don't want to comply with this. But what happened was he actually ended up siding with the government, of course, because that's what the elites are doing, and that's what they're doing here too. So um, Sundance writes, union leadership in bed with government and disconnected from the underlying union workers, this frustrating situation led to a very physical confrontation at the union headquarters. Quickly, Stika surrounded himself with thugs, bodyguards, while turning against hundreds of his own members. So what happened after that? Premier Dan Andrews announced that he was shutting down the construction industry as a punishment for their noncompliance. 
And simultaneously, the union boss, Setka, then went on media to attack his own members, calling them fascists, Nazis, and worse. This only made the issue more explosive. The media reporting of the events of the past 40 hours has been brutally biased in favor of the Victorian government and union boss Setka. The union members are described as violent, an angry mob, putting the health and safety of the entire state at risk. So the common man and woman, man and woman have no voice, and they are being told by government, media, and now union leadership to just shut up and take the jab. Then on the 21st, that was Tuesday, yesterday, the trade members went to the streets again in even larger numbers, and this time a lot of blue-collar workers who were not part of the union joined them. The protesting ranks swelled. Tens of thousands of non-union workers joined with the trade union protesters in solidarity. And uh, he points out that this is much like what happened in Poland in the 80s with uh, Wek Valenza. Some of you don't remember that, but they did an uprising against the regime of the former Soviet Union, and they were very effective. They just didn't stop until they brought the Union Soviet Union down. That's why Lech Walesa is such a hero to the Polish people. But uh, then Sundance writes, once again, the Australian media, government, and defiant union leadership refused to listen to the now tens of thousands marching in the streets of Melbourne. The situation is a powder keg of frustration and anger. And I think if after listening to that clip, you'll understand why that is. But then he goes on to point out this process, the passport methods, the process, the procedures being tested right now in Australia are soon to arrive here. And uh, we, he says that we here in America are only a few weeks or months away from having to make the same decisions that middle-class Victorian workers are faced with right now. And this is why you should pay attention to what's happening there. He goes on to say, don't anticipate any support from Republicans. I agree with them completely. Don't expect that. They are part of the establishment. That doesn't mean all Republicans, but most of them won't do anything. And he says, um, we are witnessing a massive institutional manipulation in many ways. Um, there are two sets of rules, two sets of standards, two different classes for who must wear masks and when. And, of course, I could fill in the blanks with so many illustrations about that, like the Emmy Awards last weekend would be one of those. Today there are protests all over the country from the Tea Party, Tea Party Patriots. So if you want to go out and make your voice heard wherever you look on their website. In North Carolina, they've suspended hundreds of employees uh, after they've refused to comply with the vaccine. So it's like 375 team members. In Tennessee, they have decided not to give monoclonal antibodies to vaccinated people, prioritizing non-vaccinated people, even though it's life-saving. This is where we are today. That's the update. So stay tuned. Sandy Rio, Sunday morning on AFR Talk. May I tell you about 17-year-old Esther in Africa? Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. Esther is only 17. She's part of the famous Maasai tribe in Kenya. It's a country that I visited not too long ago. Girls like Esther, they're subjected to Maasai traditions that are not taught in the Bible, including female circumcision and polygamy where a man has many wives and some younger than Esther are forced into arranged marriages against their will. Now, having endured this mistreatment, Esther lived with bitter unforgiveness until a Bible League volunteer introduced her to the hope of the gospel and now she's led dozens of teen girls and young adult women to Jesus and she's praying for Bibles so they can grow in their walk with Him. And that's exactly why Bible League is inviting you to send God's Word to Bibleless believers around the globe at only $5 a Bible. $100 sends 20 Bibles and Friends of Bible League will match every single gift. Call 800-YES-WORD 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 or click sendbiblesnow.org sendbiblesnow.org This is Pause to Pray, 
A chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Donald Remy, Deputy Secretary of Veterans Affairs. His office oversees the nationwide system of health care services, benefits programs, and national cemeteries for America's veterans and their dependents. Galatians 6.2 reminds us of the importance of helping others. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Donald Remy in his work on behalf of America's veterans and their families. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. This fall, Liberty University is celebrating 50 years of training champions for Christ. Since 1971, Liberty has been training Christ-centered men and women with the values, knowledge, and skills essential for impacting the world, a vision that continues today. The story of Liberty University is one of unwavering faith, and we invite you to be part of the next chapter. With more than 700 programs online and on campus, Liberty can help you turn your vision into a future you can be proud of. Visit liberty.edu to learn more. Again, that's liberty.edu. The White House announced to the nation that our southern border is not open. It's closed. But the reality is far different. Some 15,000 illegal aliens have actually set up a refugee camp in Del Rio, Texas. But don't believe your lying eyes. That's the official position of the Biden administration. The same government leaders who tell us if we host a birthday party or go to church, we could infect people with the China virus. Meanwhile, they're walking the red carpet at the Emmys, dancing at fancy clubs and singing happy birthday to Barack Obama. Modern society contends truth is no longer absolute. Everyone has their own version of the truth. But society never explained what would happen if your version of the truth conflicted with my version of the truth. And now we know the answer. Chaos. My new book is a great addition to your devotion collection, Our Daily Biscuit, Devotions with the Drawl, available right now at ToddStarns.com. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. You've seen disasters like hurricanes that cause devastation. This is a man-made disaster made by Joe Biden. So here's what Texas is doing because uh, we know that Biden is not going to secure the border. So Texas is stepping up to secure the border. I signed a budget where Texas is providing $3 billion by the state of Texas to secure the border. And what we're doing with that helps stop the flow of people coming across uh, that, that dam that you see there in Del Rio. Because we put a steel barrier of patrol car after patrol car after patrol car added by (coughs) National Guard vehicles that were miles long. And as the Border Patrol themselves articulated, as soon as the Texas Department of Public Safety and the Texas National Guard put that steel barrier of vehicles up across the border, that stopped anybody from crossing the border uh, anymore. You know, we, we can deal with a, a thousand here, a thousand there, migrants coming across the border. T- Texas uh, can keep a thousand out. But because of what Joe Biden is doing, that's why you suddenly have 
10, 15,000 just in the Del Rio sector alone. And because of Joe Biden's open border policies, you're going to see more and more caravans. I had a briefing today with Border Patrol, with the Texas Department of Public Safety and National Guard, and they say there are more caravans coming. So we are increasing our forces as we speak right now, Sean, to be prepared to deal with crossings like this on multiple fronts. Texas is having to engage in a war that the Biden administration should be fighting to protect multiple fronts of our border where tens of thousands of people are going to be attempting to cross. All right, that was Governor Greg last night uh, with Sean Hannity. And uh, it's really, you know, ridiculous. The people of Texas, the money that they pay for their taxes should go for their their support services, for their National Guard, for their, you know, their benefits, uh, the benefits, the roads and streets, whatever they uh, need the money for in Texas. But no, instead they're having to spend it on securing the border for the rest of the country. And uh, it's not its not just that, but that is a point that needs to be made. By the way, there are thousands of Haitian migrants camped in a Texas town. Now they're being led into the U.S. In spite of what the Biden administration is saying, they're being led into various towns in the inside of the U.S. And as a matter of fact, a couple of Haitian illegals revolted, uh, I believe yesterday, taking over a transport bus and escaping into the U.S. They were later uh, apprehended, but you can see it is chaos well, no one follows this any more closely uh, the, other than uh, the Numbers USA. Numbers USA is the largest grassroots, um, I guess you would say, immigration watch group uh, in the country. And Chris Chmielinski uh, joins us this morning. He's the deputy director. Chris, thanks for joining us this morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Now, I just gave a, a several facts there, Chris, but from your perspective and with the knowledge that you have, how would you describe what's actually happening on the border right now? Oh, it's it's total chaos, and and as those as those speakers were talking, it's 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 a total self-inflicted wound by the Biden administration. I mean, it's their policies and their lack of action that's allowing this to happen. Um, you now even have you had the the courts order the Biden administration to reinstate the remain in Mexico policy, which was you know worked so well during the Trump administration at stemming the flow during that smaller surge back in 2019. And and the Biden administration says, well, we can't do it yet because we have to work with Mexico. I mean, imagine if imagine if the Trump administration pretty much just ignored a, a court order. Um, what 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 kind of what kind of heck would be raised across the country? So, uh, you know, again, it's a it's a self inflicted wound by the Biden administration, and there doesn't seem to be any end in sight. And Congress's response to it is, let's shove and eat million-person amnesty into a budget reconciliation bill, because yep. that's what we think about it. Let's 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 get to that in just one second. I want to just, there's another sure. issue about what's happening down there right now that I'm curious about. Uh, I had an article, uh, I read an article about the number of diseases uh, that the current mm. refugees, Haitian refugees, are carrying. There's just all kinds of things that they are carrying. It's not just COVID. Uh, and um, at the same time, you know, Judge Emmett Sullivan uh, from the D.C. Circuit, who was the one who uh, ruined Michael Flynn's life, who has turned out to be uh, disappointingly uh, in li- aligned with the left. That's an aside. But he's made a decision that the he's interfering with deporting people based on their health status. He says there's plenty of help down there. There's plenty of things we can do to... Uh, mitigate people with COVID. We can give them masks. We can do all these things. So we should not be deporting them. Do you know if that is that uh, ruling by that judge being applied? Do you know? Uh, well, so he he the first uh, 
the Biden administration, that was the one one thing that the Trump, or I'm sorry, the Biden administration, that was one thing that they were actually doing. So we see this enormous number of, of border apprehensions every single month back now going on for about five months with, with 20-year highs in, in border apprehensions that they have been continuing to a certain extent. The Trump administration's used the Title 42, which blocks anybody from entry into the United States based on the based on public health concerns. Um, so, but they're only applying it to a portion of the folks that are coming across the border, mainly the single adults who cross the border, the, the family units and the unaccompanied alien children, which are still making up a significant portion of the people crossing the border illegally. It's not being applied to, so they're still being released in the United States, regardless of what their health status is. But yeah, this is this is a significant concern. Obviously, the D.C. district judge that you had mentioned put a put a fourteen day, or put a put a temporary injunction against the use of the policy. He did give the Biden administration uh, uh, 14 days to respond. The Trump administration had the same sort of a ruling from a from a federal judge, said you, you can't use Title 42, gave them time to appeal. The Trump administration aggressively appealed and got that decision reversed so that there was no lapse in the use of Title 42. Um, the Biden administration, we've yet to see how 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 aggressively they're going to fight back against this ruling because we know there are many 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 folks within the administration and the ones outside of the administration who are who are influencing the the decisions made by the administration who don't want to see title 42 continued which just means that anybody regardless of what sort of disease they may be carrying lack of vaccinations anything means they can all be released into the United States well, and that's not just speculation, uh, because, Chris, we heard uh, Jen Psaki sort of like, I would say a smile in her voice, rebuff a reporter's <laughs> question about whether uh, immigrants coming across the border illegally, you know, were vaccinated or if anyone was checking on that. And she's, you know, she sort of laughed. I, she didn't really laugh, but I felt she was pretty smug about, no, no, they're not. And so um, we know this is the reality. There is a double standard, and it's a dangerous double standard. A double standard doesn't even capture. This is a uh, dangerous duplicity. But, but Chris, um, you mentioned this, so let's go back to Washington, you know, where they solve all our problems. Uh, In the the Democrats are running the House and the Senate and explain, as you started to, what what it is they want to do in regard to the illegal immigrants pouring into the country. Right, right. So— I'm sure most of you are familiar with a $2.5 trillion budget reconciliation bill that Democrats hope to hope to shove through and, and have signed into law by, by Biden. Um, but budget reconciliation is a, is a special process. It's supposed to deal with budgetary matters that affect directly affect the budget over the next 10-year period. Uh, and one of the reasons why they're using this route is because it's, it's free from the filibuster in the Senate. So they only need 50 votes. Well, they need a majority, a simple majority of votes in, in, in the Senate. And with a 50-50 tie, they can bring in, they can bring in Harris to break the, break the tie um, and, and get it passed. So that's why they're using it. Uh, the House Judiciary Committee released, their, released and marked up their text last week of what they want to see in terms of immigration shoved into the budget reconciliation bill. And it's an amnesty for 8 million people. Um, and in effect, the amnesty would result in in a de facto enforcement freeze because anybody who could be possibly eligible for the amnesty, which according to the administration will probably be just about everybody, can't be deported. 
So it means that ICE can't enforce federal immigration laws, essentially. Um, also has some, some legal immigration increases. Now, the good news on that, the Senate was going to follow the same path, but they are working with the Senate parliamentarian. Senate parliamentarian has said that it would violate Senate rules if they included the amnesty in the budget reconciliation bill. But that's it. Democrats can still do it. But what it means is that it would violate rules, and then Republicans would have to fight it to try to pull it back out. So we still don't know whether or not the Democrats on the Senate side will try to put it in, regardless of the parliamentarian's ruling. But we know that the progressive caucus in the House and the White House are all pushing them to include the amnesty in the bill, regardless of the parliamentarian's decision. It is kind of funny, in a way. So this is when I'm going to laugh inappropriately, uh, <laughs> that they should be you know, haggling over rules when they break all the rules, uh, you know, some are speculating. Rachel Boulevard, uh, you, I'm sure you know Rachel, uh, has written a good piece on this. And she's talking about um, she believes that the Democrats are using the ruse of the objection of the parliamentarian because they don't have the vote. So they're trying to satisfy their far left wing uh, because they don't have the votes to pass uh, this amnesty in the in the current bill. So. Uh, it's just, it's a big game. And I guess, Chris, I've almost lost, I've almost lost, I hardly cover what's happening in Congress anymore. Because it just seems like a joke, you know? Um, but, it, but, it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. And so, but here's the thing I was just looking at this dreadful picture that I have, particular picture I have in my hand of uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer looking at the camera. They look like the, the old, far, the, uh, Whistler's mother photo, you know, the, the farmers, they've got the serious death look on their face and they're looking straight ahead. And I have to tell you that um, as many years as I've been covering all of this, I really didn't think that even a people like Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and even Ted Kennedy at the time would really take their leftist views on immigration as far as they've taken it. I am shocked because they have family here and children I just am shocked that they would be willing to dismantle their own country. I had no idea that they were as radical as they really, truly are. I heard them talk about it, but I didn't think when push came to shove that they would really eradicate borders uh, and uh, and put their their fellow citizens in such danger from medical problems and all the rest of it. That's my comment. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Chris, what are um, your thoughts about that? I feel the same way. I'm surprised about it. But then at the same time, both of them, especially Pelosi, are extremely wealthy. So, and it's usually the, the uber wealthy that are that are protected from, you know, from America's biggest, biggest problems. I mean, we all remember the late night television scene with Pelosi during the shutdown, the COVID-19 shutdown where, you know, she's got her she's got her commercial freezers in her house and she's eating ice cream out of it um you know so it's, it's filled with ice cream extent, mm-hmm. yeah so <laughs> to a certain extent they're insulated from all of the problems that are caused by by both mass legal immigration and massive legal immigration um so you know part of me you know part of me feels that both of them maybe maybe schumer more so than pelosi were 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 okay with the parliamentarians ruling and and you know to the column and i've seen several columns like that where there's even been some 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 uh house aides that have uh spoken anonymously that have said yeah they didn't have the votes for the immigration provisions 
So, you know, this just fires up the left and gives them something to, to direct their their ire at and not have to blame Democratic leadership for, for not including these radical immigration provisions in the budget reconciliation bill. Um, but, you know, we also know that, that Chuck Schumer is a is a disciple of, of Ted Kennedy and has been fighting for amnesty and immigration reforms for most of his career. So, um, you know, on the other hand, I'm sure he would like to get these changes implemented, uh, any way he possibly can. Um, but you know, we'll have to see what the demo, I mean, my gut tells me that they're not going to move forward. They're not going to buck the parliamentarian. I also think there's a, there's a pretty significant possibility that they may not get this budget reconciliation bill across the finish line because of the resistance from some moderates. But, um, you know, the both Pelosi has done things with her caucus that I could have never imagined happened. So I'm not ruling anything out. Yeah, no, me either. And uh, we're, they're not going to stop. I mean, that that would be foolish. This is like one little victory, perhaps. It's one little bump in the road, but they are still full steam ahead. In fact, I just was reading that the Biden administration has doubled the refugee admissions. Now, refugees mm-hmm. are different than illegal immigrants. I know that. But they are on, a mo- on the move to transform the country by bringing in people from all over the world who are not Americans any way they can. You want to say a word about that before we say goodbye? Anything anything to add to that, uh, uh, doubling, doubling the refugee admissions? Sure, yeah. There's a, there's a couple things I can say. First, just to put it into perspective, the highest level that Obama ever raised refugee admissions to was 110,000 per year. The Biden administration is going for 125. So this is even bolder than anything that Obama did on refugees. And one other point, too, that's above and beyond anybody that we might be bringing in from Afghanistan. We're talking about other refugees. We're not talking about folks that are coming wow. from Afghanistan. So oh, who knows what the refugee number number might be. But I think the most concerning thing with, with refugees is, yes, there are people around the world who desperately need need help. But it would be much better to help them in their regions, find a safe place for them in their region, bring them halfway across the world into the United States. They get full welfare benefits. Uh, they get every single social service imaginable. They can convert to a green card in a year. They get work permits. So this isn't just like somebody that we're bringing in like an illegal alien that we give deferred action to. They get access to everything when they come over. So it's a huge burden on the taxpayers. We need to help these people, but let's help them in their own regions. Let's not, right. you know, resettle them again halfway around the world. Yeah, it's we can't resettle the whole world here. We just can't, but we're we're doing it. Oh, we're watching it happen, yep. and we're going to be each of us are going to pay a price for this. Chris Milinski, Numbers USA Deputy Director. Chris, thanks. Uh, Numbers USA is a great resource and a great way to get active on this issue. So numbersusa.com. Uh, I think, yeah. Okay, Chris, thanks a lot. Appreciate talking to you this morning. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Hi, this is Dan Celia from Financial Issues. We as God's people need to be good stewards of all that he has given us. That is so important and that's what drives me each day as I break down the latest financial numbers and talk to listeners across the country about their use of the money that God has entrusted to them. Join me each morning from 8 to 10 Central and Saturday mornings at 10 o'clock Central Time for financial issues right here on American Family Radio. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies, very powerful. 
if it's a prodigal child that has just run away or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction. There's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Statistics show that children who grow up without a father are five times more likely to live in poverty and to commit crime. They're nine times more likely to drop out of school and 20 times more likely to end up in prison. Yet the percentage of children born to fatherless homes has skyrocketed in America. As of 2015, 25% of white, 53% of Hispanic, and 73% of black babies are born into fatherless homes. While scripture teaches that the weight of raising children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord falls upon fathers. Seems like we need a movement that says fatherhood matters. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Emmy was in a bad relationship when she found out she was pregnant. Her boyfriend told her to get an abortion, which she seriously considered. I knew that if I got an abortion, a part of me would be broken. Emmy went to a preborn center in need of guidance. They honestly were able to put every fear at ease and let me know that it was going to be okay. Because of them, he's here. I couldn't imagine my life without him. Preborn clinics introduce moms in crisis to their babies through ultrasound while providing hope, love, and the gospel in action. When an expectant mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears the heartbeat, she's 80% more likely to choose life for her baby. To find out more, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life. This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. The governor of Texas visited the Del Rio sector of his state's border with Mexico yesterday to plead with President Biden to provide the resources necessary to stem what amounts to a debilitating invasion of our country. Unfortunately, Mr. Biden had something else on his mind then, as usual. He was at the United Nations warning about crises facing the planet that require the so-called world community to come together like climate change and the present and future pandemics. The trouble is that Biden's globalism is not only contributing to the wrecking of our country, including by inviting untold millions of mostly unidentified and unvetted aliens to come here illegally. It fails to appreciate that the only hope for constructive action on virtually any other real problems lies in an America that's economically and militarily secure, a status he's determined to preclude. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Rescue the Democrats in their efforts to try to implement the largest tax hike in history and spend $6 trillion on things like welfare and health care for illegal aliens or welfare for deadbeats who won't work or even look for work. 
um, or tax credits for rich people so they can buy electric cars. If the Democrats want to spend $6 trillion on a party line basis, then the Democrats can raise the debt ceiling by that much on a party line basis to cover their own reckless socialist agenda. And right now it looks like the Democrats are in total disarray, not just on that infrastructure bill or their massive spending blowout, but on the simple act of trying to keep the government funded next week, even though they control the House, the Senate, and the White House. Republicans have cautioned them for two months now that we will not help them implement this reckless $6 trillion spending plan by raising the debt ceiling. It's time that they took it seriously, that they funded the government to keep it open past next week, and that they avoid any kind of default on our debt next month. All right, that was Senator Tom Cotton with Laura Ingram last night. And so, you know, the Senate and the House are up to doing whatever it is they're up to doing that I don't cover as thoroughly as I used to because I've kind of given up on them. But uh, the point I want to make here is they, um, the Democrats, the left, is all in to raising the debt ceiling. In other words, just it doesn't matter if you've reached your credit card limit. We're going to keep on spending on these wonderful things that we want to spend the money on. And so there's that fight. Uh, also, in this spending bill that uh, he was just talking about, the $6 billion, the one that's proposed, uh, the Democrats, for instance, <clears throat> have nixed uh, $1 billion to fund Israel's Iron Dome. Now, that is the really unique um, device that is a smart bomb. It detects uh, when a bomb is coming in to strike Israel, the bomb itself is smart and can find uh, the bomb that's coming over to attack Israel or the missile, whatever it is. It's been very, very effective to protect that little country, you know, from its enemies that surround it. Uh, and we have, as a country, been helping them financially because because they are like computers. They're very expensive. And so now, you know, the Democrats don't want to do that. And the reason I mentioned, I mentioned a few minutes ago that uh, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and other Democrats are, they want open borders, but why do they want open borders? I mean, they've got families here and they, how could they watch this happen to their country? How could they actually propose and support it? And I think the answer is, we don't often say it this way, but it really does go back to their world view. We talk about it uh, in other ways here about their perspective, that they're from the left, whatever, but it really has to do with worldview, how they see the world, how they see themselves, their understanding of if there is a God or not. If there is not a God, it affects how they feel and how they make decisions. Well, my next guest is someone that you hear every day on the radio at AFR Talk. It's uh, He's the co-host of Exploring the Word. That's on at 3 to 4 Central Standard Time uh, every day. And um, Alex McFarland is a Christian apologist, an author, an evangelist, a religion and cultural analyst, and an advocate for biblical truth. He speaks worldwide. He's preached in over 2,000 churches throughout North America and numerous more internationally. Uh, he was the third president of Southern Evangelical Seminary and College in Charlotte, North Carolina. He was focused on the family's first director of teen apologetics. Uh, he pioneered an organization called Truth for a New Generation. He started conferences a number of years ago to equip teens and adults to know what they really believe and defend and how to defend their faith. And he's continued that through the years. He's had speakers like Josh McDowell, Lee Strobel, Eric Metaxas, uh, Johnny Tata, and more, we could say. But um, Alex joins me this morning. We want to talk about a number of things. But first of all, Alex, thanks for joining me. Well, good morning, Sandy. It's a great honor to be on your program. Thank you. Yeah, it's nice to talk to you. All right, so uh, you know what? Let's just do a little tease about this conference and then jump into this discussion that I'd like to have with you. You are uh, having another conference. Are you calling it the Truth 
for a new generation conference? Uh, we are. We are. And that will be October 15 through 17 in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And uh, Sandy, this is our first conference post-COVID, so uh, kind of some uncharted waters. But we've got uh, Dr. Frank Turek is coming, Bishop E.W. Jackson, more than a dozen speakers. Uh, and I'm proud to say for the first time ever, and certainly we hope it'll be the first of many, we have as one of our keynote speakers someone you may have heard of, Sandy Rios. Isn't that awesome? But um, we're, we're talking about a biblical response to the woke movement. And uh, mm-hmm. as, as you know, and as you every day cover so well, there's so many voices, so many trends in the culture standing against Christianity. And frankly, so many of the philosophies and worldviews that I think threaten the very survival of America. The conference, by the way, people can register and attend uh, go, simplest way would be go to my website, which is alexmcfarland.com. Uh, my last name, M-C-F-A-R-L-A-N-D, alexmcfarland.com. There are group discounts, hotel discounts. Uh, there's going to be great music, uh, an award-winning band called The Bird Songs from Nashville. That, and I've worked with them many times. But uh, Turek, Sandy Rios, E.W. Jackson, myself, and more. And, you know, Sandy, one of the things we do in our conferences, we've done this all over America. We'll we'll have a panel discussion where, in addition to the great keynote messages, people can ask questions of the presenters, and it's going to be great. We're going to get equipped to defend truth and our country. Alex, as long as you've been doing this, uh, because I've been doing what I'm doing, the same but different— uh, there have been problems for decades. You know, there's always something to talk about, something to combat. But how would you contrast the world now uh, from when you first began these Truth for a New Generation conferences? Wow, that's a great question. Um, one of the differences about the world today in the 21st century is the just the, the global, well-orchestrated, nearly enforced abolition of all moral boundaries. Um, I mean, there's always been sin and sinners. Um, 30 years ago, we were doing conferences about, you know, the authenticity of the Bible and creation versus evolution. But with the the rise of transgenderism and the, well, here in America, our abandonment of moral absolutes to legitimize abortion, to legitimize the redefinition of marriage— and now to really take away the rights of parents. Um, It's a different world today because globally, things like the Human Rights Campaign and the the pro-gay, transgender lobbies, they really all around the world have worked with businesses and governments to really abolish any moral boundaries. Another thing that makes this world so much different now is is the Internet and the, the wiring of the planet. And, um, you know, so many people have blog sites, and there's just so much out there that, um, Sandy, none of us know exactly when the world will end and Christ will return. But it does seem like the entire planet right now has thrust itself into the pursuit of heresy and moral chaos for the abandonment of of truth. And so more than ever, and by the way, let me say this, you know, we're we're in a moral freefall. 
Uh, the world is just going after every delusion of the moment. And yet, in, in America, the engine for sanity and truth and salvation, the Church of Jesus Christ, we're, we're probably more weak and compromised than we've ever been. I mean, Sandy, if ever there were a time that we ought to be prayerful, and I mean fasting and intercession and doing spiritual battle and defending the faith, um, and I love the church. I mean, I love the church of Jesus Christ in, in all of its denominations. Where, wherever Jesus is being faithfully preached, I'm there. But the church is facing the greatest battle of the past thousand years, and we seem more ill-equipped to face it than ever before in, in our lifetimes. I think that's true, Alex. I think it's true. And also, just as you said, the lack of awareness that we're in that place. I, I've, I Sometimes I visit churches. I, over the last several years, this has happened, and I will go in. <laughs> I'm not ashamed. I'm not proud of this, but I went to one church um, a few years ago, and it was the most vanilla, plastic, bubblegum service and message. Mm -hmm. And after it was over with, I confronted the pastor. I, I could not. Good. I said, do you understand what's happening in the world? This is the most unserious, frivolous uh, service. I, I mean, I just, I, I don't know, I, just, I don't know the, who I thought I was in that moment. But honestly, Alex, this is what I think we, we're, we've done plenty of bubblegum entertainment a flash and dance and videos and I've been part of it. I've been uh, yeah. I was one of the members of the vocal team of Willow Creek Church for ten oh, years. Wow. Did uh, not so know I, that. So you know I know what this is about. I know where it came from. It's not just that brand though. It's other things too. It's like it can be other stripes of uh, Christianity that are into ritual uh, mm -hmm. that replaces you know the real power of the mighty God and that's what we're missing. But we're not missing it everywhere. Alex, there yeah. are there are some great churches where true worship is going on. So I find myself wondering, you know, what is God going to do with the faithful in all of this? How is this going to shake down? Is are they going to be in the are they going to be in the the basket with all the the general category of Christians, or will they are they, will they have to suffer more, suffer less? I just I know that's a trite question, but do you wonder that yourself? There are more than ten faithful uh, men, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, it's funny. I just recorded my show for the weekend. I I do a live show on the American Family Radio Network called Exploring the Word, and then I do a pre-recorded weekend show which I just finished recording this morning, and and it's called When Truth Becomes Contraband, because um, you know what will happen to the faithful? Those of us that actually do proclaim the truth of Jesus and the truth of God's word. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, perhaps we'll reach a time where it becomes literally a, a crime to say that Jesus is the one and only Savior, to say that sinners must repent. I mean, Eric Metaxas and I were talking not long ago, and uh, I, I said, you know, Eric, I feel like America of 2021 is somewhat analogous to Germany just before the ascendancy of the Third Reich. Mm -hmm. And he, he said, you know, he had just said a similar thing at a party, and everybody looked at, at him like he was crazy. But, you know, Christians, we're going to have to decide if we are, are going to proclaim truth, uh, even if that truth is called hate speech. Uh, and, and sadly, Sandy, as, as you know, um, online in the Twitterverse, 
sometimes the things that will get you castigated and marginalized the fastest are, you know, saying things like, um, you know, First Corinthians 6, um, homosexuality, you, you must repent if you want to go to heaven. Paul is very clear. Um, now, in 1 Corinthians 6, where it says, you know, murderers, liars, adulterers, thieves, extortioners, you know, homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of heaven, as such were some of you. Okay, past tense verb. Anybody can go to heaven, but you have to turn from sin to Jesus. Well, whenever you preach hard biblical truth, oh my goodness, I've, you know, been attacked on social media, and very often the denunciations come from professed mm-hmm. Christians. Yes, that's right. I know we're just about out of time, but um, let me just say this. If you're in ministry and you talk more about racism than the gospel, you're not doing your job. I mean, if if you're in ministry or a Christian and you talk more about social justice, quote-unquote, than the resurrection of Jesus, you're not you're not being obedient because while racism is bad and of course if a person comes to Christ and they love their neighbor racism will ebb away and it should but we are called to proclaim the good news that Christ the son of god rose from the dead by faith in Jesus sinners are saved and i i guess Sandy i'm just concerned that the um the hipster Christianity is all about the the buzzwords of social justice and, you know, um, the new morality, and not so yes. much about the gospel. Yeah, I'm, I, well said, Alex, and I think you're right. We need a longer conversation for that, but that'll give you a taste of Alex McFarland's approach as he teaches. You can go to alexmcfarland.com. You can sign in for this conference. Worldviews, the battles we must win. It'll be in Myrtle Beach in South Carolina, October 15th to the 17th. Uh, it's very reasonable in terms of price. We'd love to see you there. We're going to be Frank Turek and uh, E.W. Jackson uh, and I, me and, and Alex will all be speaking and others as well. So come and join us and we'll talk together and kind of encourage each other. Alex, thank you for your ministry through these years and thanks for joining me this morning. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.